3HL 104.5 The Zone, broadcasted live at Radio Row in L.A. Our coverage presented by our friends at Ferguson HVAC. Two Rivers Ford, a moment's peace, Salon and Day Spa, and USS United Structural Systems. Our buddy Greg Cosell at the table now. Greg, what's up? How it's good you? to actually see. Well, I see you guys on Zoom, but that's not the same thing as actually sitting <laughs> right. here and seeing you live guys. Live in person. Know. Can you the legend yes. walking radio. In the building. In the building. Yes, he is. Go, and I Greg. love it. <laughs> well, well, do you like this stuff? Do you like Radio Row? Do you like Super Bowl? Well, I'll tell you what I like. I like seeing people that I see once or twice a year. Yeah. That's what I really like. And that's why I really missed it last year with COVID. Yeah. And that's why, you know, but I, I like seeing people that you know, I, I don't see very often, like you guys, you know? I don't see you guys. Yes. We <laughs> well, like, and, and we get, like, the in-person yeah. yes. look, look you in the eyes when you're yeah. breaking down yeah. the film. And Ron and I were just having a great, you know, talk about my uh, my misbegotten youth when I, you know, thought I was a good athlete, but who knows? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they I were heard, talking basketball. Yeah, yeah they, they were talking I, Ivy League basketball. Oh, man, <laughs> we all love them, man. Hoops don't stop at one level, yeah. man. Everywhere. <laughs> so for, for the let, let's we'll get into the X's and O's of this matchup. But, but for those that don't know, your uncle was Howard Cosell. He was indeed. Growing up, what what were your sports loves? Well, you know, it's funny. I started tossing a ball around with my dad and I remember this almost vividly when I was two years old. I just wow. was always interested, you know. And then my dad, you know, we'd go out. Uh, we actually lived in an apartment building, so we didn't have, like, a backyard and all that because I grew up in Queens in New York. But we'd toss the ball around, you know. Base- baseball was, in a sense, my first love because you have to remember, I, I, I'm old, guys. I, I was born in 56. So yeah. back in the 60s, the biggest sports in America were baseball and boxing. Okay, that seems crazy today in 2022, but baseball and boxing were the biggest sports in America in the 60s. God, can you imagine? I mean, the NFL is king. Right. Like- and, and so I grew up as a baseball player, got exposed to basketball when I was maybe 10 or 11, and, and really took a love to it and, and actually enjoyed that more than baseball. Went to basketball camps and the whole deal. And, you know, so in, in high school I played baseball and basketball because my high school in Queens did not have a football team. You know what? So, uh, I don't, don't want to go too far off hand, but when he's talking about boxing, man, do do you think it'll ever come back around? Because you know things repeat themselves, right? But like the heavyweight champion of the world was the ruler of the was, world. Was, yes. was a king. Yeah, yeah it could never be like the LeBrons or <laughs> right. anything like right. that. It's the heavyweight champion of the world for a reason. I mean, just. I hate saying this because I'm supposed to be a sports guy, but I don't even know who the heavyweight champion of the world is now. <laughs> yeah, that, no, I mean, that, that may speak that to honestly. it. Yeah, I, I do you know? Have, no, I mean no. I have, I have no, no idea. idea. I have no idea. And I, I hate saying that because I feel like, oh my god, you know, I'm an idiot, but yeah. I don't know who it is. It, it's, it's the big fella, well, but I, I can't even think of his name. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a guy that that is passionate about the broadcast industry, um, I, I was such a fan of Howard, and and specifically his range, right? right. Um, but the boxing stuff stood out to me. The, the the interviews and the conversations and the show that was Howard Cosell and Muhammad Ali. You can go back and, like, kids that maybe haven't seen this, you can Google it and go back and watch these things. It, it is absolutely amazing. And the other thing that he did. did, as people might recall, this is all before ESPN and all before highlights were just a normal part of our life as they are today, is remember he did the halftime highlights on Monday Night Football? I oh. mean, mm. you guys, not, oh, I say remember. You guys don't remember that because you probably weren't later, even yeah. bo- born yet. But, uh, and I saw him do it once in Philly. It was a Monday Night game in Philly, and you know I went up to the booth, the whole deal. 
he would do that totally extemporaneously. He hadn't seen the wow. highlights. No. They just run the plays, you know, for three, whatever it was, three, five minutes, and he would just talk as he's seeing them for the wow. first time. It was unbelievable. And he not one stumble, not one pause. It was ridiculous. One shot. <laughs> it was live. It was live. Like, wow. like I used to do that with the high school football for a high school football show. A little bit of a different, uh, different, a different ending. Right. And a little that's bit great. of a, a different performance right. on that, too. Like, that's amazing. Well, Greg Cosell with us on 3HL. Um, with, as, as his nephew, like, looking back, like, I understand how big a superstar he was in the moment. Did that resonate with you, or were you into your own stuff? I was this into, is you know, just Uncle Howard. You have to remember that he he was really big in the late 60s and through the 70s. So I was in high school from 71 to 74 and college from 74 to 78. So I'm doing my own thing. Yes. You know, so he was doing his thing. So I didn't see him very often. And, uh, you know, we didn't we lived too far apart to see each other on a regular basis. So, no, I you know, he was doing his thing. I was doing my thing. You mentioned basketball. Did you say earlier that you were on Ernie Grunfeld's team? No, no, I, I played against him in you high school. You played against mm-hmm. him, yes. Yeah, he, he went to Forest Hills High School in yes. Queens, and I went okay. to Francis Lewis High School in Queens. And um, he had, uh, in the game that we played against them, and I was covering him at times, maybe more than at times. Yeah. But he had what thir- would the tape show? He had, he had 36 <laughs> points and 25 rebounds. Oh, that was a uh, way to hold him down. But, but who lock, re- that's but, how you lock but, it down, But Greg. who remembers that stuff? Yeah. You know? 36 and 25, light yeah. night, light yeah. night. Good job, Brent. And, and needless to say, Brent, I did not have 36 and 25. <laughs> well, I mean, he didn't have 60 and 30. Yeah, I <laughs> held him down. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, I held him down. <laughs> I held him down. <laughs> um, so, as, as we talk about this match, Matchup, Greg Cosell, uh, uh, the the 3HL uh, the film study session here that we're getting into. Uh, I was thinking about the Cincinnati offensive line going up against Aaron Donald and those guys. Is is that where we need to start well, with this matchup? Yes, but it begs the next question. Okay. The Bengals know that, too. Yeah. yeah. This is not a scoop. So the question to me becomes, how do they compensate for that, and how do they camouflage that weakness? What are the tactics that they could deploy so that that doesn't become the deciding factor in the game. Because the way I see it, and maybe others see it differently, the last thing I think you want, if you're Zach Taylor and the Bengals, is to walk off the field at SoFi Stadium and say, oh, we lost because of our offensive line. So you know that that's a mismatch disadvantage. So, you know, what are the kinds of things that you can do? I think they have to view this as a a four-quarter game. So, in other words, they're going to have to run the ball. Now, that's an easy thing to say. But we saw them do that in the AFC Championship game. They stayed with the run because they have to make the Rams' defensive line defend the run. And also, then, what kinds of runs? I think outside zone is really important because I think it marries exceptionally well with the play-action pass game. And I think they need to put Burrow under center in this game at times because think of it this way. The outside zone run, it's basically a wide lateral run. So what does that mean for the defensive line? What is the first movement the defensive line has to make to defend that run? They have to move laterally. Mm -hmm. So if you go play action off that run look, their first move is still lateral. It's not vertical toward the quarterback. So it slows them down. And, again, we're talking fractions of seconds, but fractions of seconds matter in the NFL. Right. How much have they done? I, that's been I, their foundation. Okay. Well, because Zach Taylor was on Sean McVay's staff. Right. So that's been their foundation. So, you know, they may start the game and they may not run 
you know, that happened against Kansas City. They started the game. They, Mixon was getting a yard, two yards, mm-hmm. but they stayed with it. He had 21 rushes against Kansas City. In a game, they got down by 18 points, and 16 of those 21 rushes came on first down. You mentioned the Zach Taylor McVeigh connection, and and I know we we talk tape, but I'm just curious how much of an advantage is there with Zach Taylor standing next to him the last time the Rams were in a Super Bowl, knowing how he thinks, knowing how he play calls, knowing what they do. Is there an advantage to that, or is everything you can pretty much see on the tape anyway? Um, I mean, you know how a guy thinks because, yeah. and I because. Th- one thing I've learned through the years is coaches coach against coaches because they know schemes. They know what a guy likes to do. You know, look, I do a lot of work, but I'm not even in the same league as these coaches because they're studying. They've been studying other coaches for years and years and years and years. I'm, you know, I, I can't quite do it that way. So, so Zach Taylor will know what McVay likes to do in given situations. That doesn't mean you can stop it. You don't win in the NFL because you trick people and fool right. people. Every once in a while, there's a play like that, and there could be a play or two like that in the Super Bowl. There, there always are. I mean, obviously, the most famous one being the Philly Special. You know, there's always a play like that, but you, you don't win a four-quarter game in the NFL because you trick people. Yeah, yeah. Looking at looking at the the opposite end of that. Now looking at the Rams, Aaron Donald. We talked about last week, Aaron Donald and Von Miller, the things they're doing up front. Is it okay just to have four coming for the Rams? For the Rams? Well, the Rams are an interesting team, Ron, because their base front is a 5-2. They play with a five-man front. And even when they're in their nickel, at times they'll play with a five-man front because what a five-man front forces an offensive line to do is go one-on-one, man-on-man protection. So you know that as a defense. If you line up with a five-man front and cover each offensive lineman for the most part, they have to block the man in front of them. That's the protection call. And you can't change the protection call in the middle of the play. Mm -hmm. So the protection call becomes one-on-one, the defense knows that, and then they can work off that. They can have different stunt concepts, yes. you know, different games up front yeah. to try to play off the fact that they know how the offensive line will protect. Jalen Ramsey, obviously a, a a local kid. You know, we like to talk about him a lot. Um, right. He is is he's very a com- kid. Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, yeah. Oh. yep. Um, so he's ve- obviously he's very vocal. Like- Here we go for Will Bowling. He went to Brentwood Academy. Okay, there you go. Yes, he's a BA kid. Um, Which is where Will went. Ridiculous athlete. But anyway, so which you know, watching right, the right, tape, right? right. Yeah. But anyway, um, he's very vocal about like I want you know, give me Chase, whatever. Right. What? How do they utilize Jalen Ramsey? What do you think? And you know, it's that's a great question, Don, because all I've been hearing about is is Ramsey versus Chase. And by the way, with two weeks to prepare, they could absolutely do that. This it all becomes speculation. The only thing I can I can judge by is what the tape has shown all season and the way they've used Ramsey. The Rams have been one of the lowest percentage man-to-man coverage defenses in the NFL mm. all season. Ramsey has rarely been used as a matchup man-to-man corner. Rarely. Now, having said that, even if he's not matching up and following and traveling with the receiver, yeah. obviously there's going to be times he'll be on chase. And who knows? Like I said, they may decide in this game that, yes, he's going to cover chase the whole game. Right. But that raises another set of issues. 
Then what do they do on the other side? Because think of it this way. Very often Chase is the single receiver to the short side of the field, and then there's three receivers to the other side. Well, we like to say he's the boundary X Mm -hmm. on the backside of trips. So are they going to be comfortable with 5'9", 185-pound Darius Williams matched on 6'3 and a half, 220-pound T. Higgins. So you have uh, to feel, you know, yeah. no, it's, yeah. not, it's not just a Ramsey chase thing. Yeah. There's right. more to it than that. Yeah. And to your point on the, the numbers and the stats that you gave about that, like, and you've said it a million times, you don't go into a game and completely change what got you there. And they could. They could. When there's two weeks, you have more practice time, more classroom time, more film time. You know, you have more of everything. So, absolutely, could it change? Yes. So I don't want to sound like, oh, there's no way it will happen. But for the people who are acting like it's an absolute given, they're just speculating because that's not what the Rams did all season. Right. Yeah. Greg Cosell with us on 3HL breaking down this rams Bengals Super Bowl. And uh, from an offensive standpoint, uh, Matthew Stafford, um, uh, the, the run game, what kind of balance have they shown on tape? Um, how – uh, important is it for, for Matthew Stafford to avoid that big play, which he did avoid. He threw it, but he avoided it. You know, I'm just curious about the Rams' offense. I'm just going to give you my opinion because I don't know what Sean McVay is going to do. But yeah. here, I think you're going to see a couple of things early. I think you're going to see McVay be really aggressive with the pass game. I think you're going to see them be go no huddle tempo. I think you're going to see them line up in empty sets. They lined up in empty more than any team in the league this year. That's one thing one reason that Stafford's there because he's such a better drop back passer than Goff. Goff needed the play action pass game. Yeah. Stafford is just he, he's a drop back passer. You can drop back and and Stafford can throw it. And and the reason I think they'll be aggressive is because I personally believe that McVeigh would love to get ahead 14 nothing and test the patience of Zach Taylor to stay with the run. The best way I could say it, and I think you'll know what I mean, I think McVeigh would love for this game to be a two-and-a-half, three-quarter game, whereas Zach Taylor needs it to be a four-quarter game. You know, I think that McVeigh would love to be ahead 31, you know, 17 going into the fourth quarter, or even, you know, being ahead earlier where Taylor has to decide, can I stay with the run or do I now have to throw it because, you know, I'm trying to protect my old line, and if I start having to throw it, that becomes an issue. Yeah. Uh, well, Cooper Cup, you want? No, I was going to Coop? say we're different. You on, okay. You on it? Go ahead. Cooper Cup's an yeah. issue. There you go. Like, how the heck do you defend that guy? Yeah. What oh. do you do? And I think they do such a great job, the Rams, that is, of getting Cup cleanly into his routes. They're so good with condensed formations, tough to press in condensed formations. They're so good with stacks bunches they use him in motion all this allows him to get clean releases off the ball and to get into his routes without any disruption and his sense of pace tempo spacing how to make corners move off their spot because you're trying to make the corner move off his spot you know once he moves off his spot then you can play off that and and cups a master at that and so he yeah but i think you know it's funny don't you mention cup we know he won the triple crown this year he's he's great that's not the point but I think Odell Beckham is a real challenge in this game. He's their boundary X. He's their single receiver to the short side of the field. And in the NFC Championship game, he had 11 targets, nine catches over 100 yards. And he's people seem to forget how talented he is yeah. because of Cup. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy, too. And you talk about Cincinnati being able to control the run, but here you have the Rams with Cam Akers coming back and Sony Michelle. What do you what do you look at? Yeah, and, and I'm I'm real curious to see what McVeigh's balance is. I think he's going to be my sense, anyway, more significantly pass-heavy in this game. Okay. That's my sense. I mean, if he gets ahead, and yeah. now we're getting into late third, fourth quarter, I think obviously that changes the right. equation. But I don't think McVeigh's goal in this game is balance. Yeah. I think McVeigh's goal in this game is explosive pass plays against a defense that is better than probably people think, but not a shutdown kind of defense. I think he's going to feel like they can make plays against that defense. How uh, how much do you think I, – I, there's just so much talk about what happened last time that they were in the Super Bowl, and I know it's completely – talking about the Rams? Yeah, and I know it's completely different roster and build and what they do and all of that, but it's the three points. It's the – like, does that play into aggressiveness, do you think, from McVay, or you think it's just – I don't think he's – well, I shouldn't say that. I have no idea what John McVay's thinking. But my guess is he's not real focused on what happened in that Super Bowl. I think he's seeing this game. He has a different quarterback. Look, he loves Stafford. He loves Stafford being aggressive. They've changed a number of things they do because of the quarterback. And, look, no coach wants quarterbacks to throw interceptions, uh, but I think he's okay with the fact that Stafford is aggressive. Don't forget, he makes a lot of phenomenal throws. For some reason, people really like talking about Stafford's interceptions. And did he? if you look at the number on a sheet of paper, did he throw too many? Yes. As you guys know, I've always been a believer that you have to look at each interception as right. an individual play. Yep. I found out from some people in the know that a number of the of his interceptions resulted from mistakes by receivers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you got to factor that in. But I think they love the fact that Stafford can do anything in the pass game. They can go play action. They can do the drop-back pass game. They can drive the ball down the field. They can run more vertical routes. He's got better movement ability and th- better throw-on-the-run ability than Goff. So I think there's just more that Stafford can do, and I don't think McVay is going to go into this Super Bowl hindering that. Yeah. It's going to be a fun matchup. Yeah. Greg Cosell at Greg Cosell on Twitter. Thank you. So it is good to, to yeah. have a conversation yes, face-to-face. No, it's great. You know, it, it just always seems more passionate when it's face-to-face. That's you right. Know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Well, we'll be passionate about this uh, matchup. Then we'll be passionate about moving to the NF, toward the NFL draft um, as we get uh, free of this event. Thank you, Greg. Good All right, guys. You. Appreciate it. All right, Greg. Greg Cosell. 3HL, 104.5 The Zone. Three HL broadcasting live at Radio Row in Los Angeles. Our coverage presented by Ferguson HVAC, Two Rivers Ford, a moment's peace salon and day spa. Brent Doherty, Don Davenport, and Ron Slay. Got a couple guys at the table. We're going to talk with Mike Haynes, College Football Hall of Famer, NFL Hall of Famer, Radio Broadcast Professional Hall of Famer, uh, <laughs> John Ward. Um, also with uh, Life Score, you guys have Life Score sweatshirts. Let's start with that. What was it about Life Score that I knew that you? question was coming? What, what, what interested <laughs> you that in that direction? Well, you, you know, might not remember, but um, about 15 years ago, I was I had prostate cancer, and uh, before my prostate cancer, everything that I had set out to do, I had achieved. And I thought that I was only going to live to be about 60. And I realized when I was diagnosed with the prostate cancer that I had never set a goal with regard to how long I wanted to live. And so at football, of course, I had to have great health, nutrition, and all these different things, right? 
to be a great player and to you know and um, take care of myself the way I wanted to. But when I retired, I really didn't have anything, no, no real reason to do it. And um, when I was diagnosed with the cancer, I said I want. I decided to make a goal. I said I, I want to live to be. And I started reading. Wow, well, sure, how old can people live? I, in the Bible, they said 125, and I'm going, okay, 125. That's my goal. And I said, I know I'm going to fall a little short, just like I fell a little short in my my goals for football. <laughs> you know, I said I wanted to play in five Super Bowls. I played in one, you know. I said I wanted to play 17 years. I played 14, you know. I said I want to make 10 Pro Bowls. I made nine, you know. So I said I'm going to go 125 years, and I know I'm probably only going to live to be 120. All right, but when I made that goal, like all my goals, I'm serious about them. And so then I started thinking about what I eat, how much I sleep, and all these different things, and how much I need to exercise. Well, John, I met him during this period of time, and so he called me and asked me would I help with this, you know, help promote this app. This app is exactly what I need. You know, I can just walk, wake up and fill in the information every day of what I ate and how many hours I slept and different things, different information, it's going to give me what I need to achieve my goal. So I say anybody that has a lot of goals, they, they'll have an interest in this app, and uh, if you, especially if you want to live a long time. And i got to be honest, I haven't always wanted to live a long time. Right. I haven't. I'm going to just be honest. You know, I remember when I was, um, shoot, about 15 20 years ago, there was somebody in Orange County that came up with some kind of machine. You can go stand in front of it, and it can tell you what injuries and what ailments you're going to have. I said, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Leave me alone. Yeah, I don't want to know, man. Come on. But after I was diagnosed with the cancer and I found out that I'm alive right now is because I found out when it was in the early stages, when it was easy to deal with. If I had found out in the later stages, I wouldn't be here right now, all right? So my life was starting to change, and I said, so information is important. The more information we have, the better decisions we can make, and I'm going to have a, a better life, a better lifestyle and a long, longer life. So I'm, I'm cracking up because I have three grandkids and all these, you know, families. I'm thinking, wow, I'm not going to get a chance to see, you know, all these other kids because – a lot of times you say, I'm too old. I'm, I only got a couple more years. I don't need to go see my grandkids. I don't need, you know, but I'm going, I, I might get to see my grandson play football, you know. I might see my daughter play this, you know, my granddaughter do all these different things. So it's changed my life. And and uh, be, from sports, you learn that your mindset is everything. You know, if, if you're going to win or lose, your mindset is everything. And so you try to protect that, and that's what I'm doing now. This is given me a way to do it i can live a lot longer if i'm smart and take advantage of what the um the life score is going to provide lifeaidhope.org is the website people get more information yeah it's like you can get all this information like mike was saying but then also you know the app will tell you what it means and that's the part that we don't have right now there's all these apple health google health this health that health and it gives you you know gives you your heart rate or your sleep or whatever a bunch of numbers but it doesn't tell you what it means and what this app will do is tell you what it means. So you mentioned your grandkids, and I think a lot of people listening, that that resonates, right? Are they old enough to know what a legend you are? 
on the football field? Um, we we downplay my. Do you? <laughs> yeah. I, I always, I'm always curious about yeah. that. Hey, Mike, no. let me tell you, you need to make sure you got that ring off if you're going to downplay <laughs> yeah. it. You know, it's, it's funny you he, say He it. wore that for you. <laughs> well, thank you. It's, it's great motivation. Yeah. I, I don't wear my ring. Like, I have a Super Bowl ring and a Hall of Fame ring. I don't yeah. really wear them very often. Right. You know, I wear them in this environment. Right. But um, that's really it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, Mike. My, they don't understand. Like my grandkids, they know I'm a Hall of Famer, but they don't really know what that means. Yeah. yeah. You know. Uh, yeah. And so, and I don't take them to a lot of football games and things like that. My older kids, I do. You know, and they know what it means. And they all, they all say, Dad, you could have become your Hall of Famer. You should have been able to do this and do. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but see, he has his life score now, so he can show his grandkids his score, and he can compare his score to their score. Yeah, and he, exactly. when he can say, I'm 125 years old, but my life score is 99, and you're only, you know, whatever there are, and your life score is not so good, so you better get on it. So it's, it's, Track it. You, you, got, you got life score, and how important is it, not only for um, the common man, you know, or, or whatever it may be, but for an athlete finishing up that having that game plan for the longevity of life like you said like i know a lot like after basketball it's like well what i'm gonna do next you know you just (laughs) go through life and before you know it it's 20 years that went by but now you got something to really lean on right and it's kind of interesting you mentioned that because i remember i I played college football and then and and when you finish your eligibility you always go see the medical team and they Mm -hmm. didn't they look at all your x-rays and they go well, you know, here's what your future is going to look like. And I remember the team doctor telling me, you know, if you don't lose weight and do some things, you're, you're not going to be very mobile when you're 40. And I'm like, 40? Holy moly. <laughs> I go, I better get on it because, man, when I'm 40, I expect to be doing a lot of stuff. So it, it really does. It has that whole predictive thing and how you can use analytics to really, uh, you know, t- tell you what your life could be like in five years, 10 years, 20 years. John yeah. Gordon with life score. Mike Haynes, uh, one of the best cornerbacks in the history of the game. It's amazing how different your position was when you played compared with now. I mean, the, obviously the NFL has, has set rules in a way where offenses have advantages and cornerbacks can't get real physical. That wasn't the way uh, it was back when you played, man. Well, it started to really change back when I was playing. You know, my first year in the in the league, oh, my God. I could do anything I wanted to. Yeah, it was great. As long as the as long as the ball wasn't in the air, I yeah. could do anything to that receiver, yeah. anything. And then they changed the rule that five yard bump rule, so I couldn't do anything in that five yard area. Okay. But I also learned how to take advantage of all those rules because I had to. And and so, like um, as an example, I say the five yard bump rule. I would line up at seven. And then on the snap of the ball, I'd come up and catch the guy at, like, four. And then he, I'd still be touching him after five, yeah. right? And so when the referees would come up and they would talk to all the teams, they'd go to all the NFL teams and talk about the rules. I'd ask questions. I've got a question. Hey, what happens if you come up, you take the guy on at four yards, and you're still in contact with the guy at six yards? I'm not supposed to come up at four, then at five, drop my hands, right? I still have my hands on him. They say, well, we call that incidental contact. I go, okay, incidental. <laughs> Noted. Noted, yeah. exactly. And yeah. so you, you have to know the game forward, backward, inside, and out so you can take advantage of the rules. That's big time. That's yeah. big time. Is there a guy in today's game that, that you love watching? Like Jalen Ramsey is from, from Nashville, right? Like, yeah. So 
We spent a lot of time watching that guy, um, and, and he's elite. Is there a guy out there that, that you enjoy watching? I enjoy Jalen. Yeah. There's a lot of them, a lot of them, even, even the, some of the ones that get beat. And, like, sometimes I watch the game, I say, that was a bad defense. Why would they be in that defense and put that guy in that pressure, you know, in that situation? I, so I, I look at the game differently from most people, yeah. uh, and it's really hard. But I, I appreciate it. And I really think that defensive backs have the toughest – toughest goal out there they're covering the fastest best athletes and they're the quarterbacks have gotten way better like the quarterbacks were not as skilled back when i played as they are today yeah because they only threw 25 times a game you know 20 something now they throw 50 times a game. You know, it's crazy. And you would have had 92 picks instead of 46. I know. <laughs> That's what we were talking about one of our other shows there earlier. Yeah. I love it. All right, Mike Haynes, John Warden, Life Score, lifeaidhope.org. Get the get the app and uh, get your score. Know, know what your path is. Uh, appreciate you guys stopping by. Thank you for having us. All right, Mike Haynes, one of the best ever. All right, more 3HL coming up, 104.5 The Zone.